0: Learn more at marines.com. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest-growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. Caller has questions. Blue 58! Blue 58! Go! And he wants your answers. Three! Drag, Red. Red. Blue poncho. In rapid-fire fashion. Gun flex right stack. 394 dragon smoke. It's Hot Routes on Purple Daily. 980. 397. Yes. Chad Graff, you ready for Hot Routes? You've done Hot Routes before, I've right? done Hot
1: Routes. I'm a little intimidated by today's batch of questions. Slightly nervous <laughs> on how this is going
0: to go, but uh, we'll see. All right. So, Hot Routes, of course, is of regular segment that we do at three o'clock every day on purple daily. Now, this is my first time producing hot routes. I've been a part of it before. Uh, But yeah, I I, I love this segment. It's just, it's so much fun. Uh, So let's get to our first hot route.
1: 28 Baker Bruce, 28 Baker Bruce.
0: Chad Graff, Zeke Elliott running back for the Dallas Cowboys says he will quote, work harder after a poor decision in Las Vegas. When he bumped a security guard back in May, What is a poor decision you made that forced you to work harder?
1: Two things. First of all, who hasn't left Las Vegas thinking, God, I (laughs) made some poor choices and need to work harder. Not to make light of what happened with Zeke Elliott, because he certainly has uh, some self-reflecting to do. But as far as your question is concerned, this is the one I think I struggled with the most. Uh, Not for a lack of poor decisions. There have been plenty of those in my 28 plus years on this planet, uh, but because few of them actually led to a lot of harder work. So I'll give you sort of a cop-out answer. Uh, A few years ago, maybe 10 years ago at this point, I was golfing with some buddies in New Hampshire. There were, I was in the rough, which is my normal place when I'm on the golf course. And there were two trees, one on the left, one on the right. And I thought, well, this will be easy. I'll just punch my way out of here. (laughs) Hit one of the trees, comes back into the cart, hits my friend square in the arm, leaves him with a nice bruise, And uh, and that poor decision thinking, yeah, I can get through these trees, no problem, led to a little bit of harder work on the driving range, though I'll concede uh, the golf game still is no better.
0: See, I can't even say anything because my golf game, I have not golfed in probably, i gosh, it's probably been about five or six years since I've actually gone golfing and like played through an entire course. It was not pretty. I so played with I, Collar. I have, I have no, I have no shade to throw in your direction because it was my golf game is not pretty at all.
1: Collar's more of an athlete than you think. He took off years of golf as well, and then I went golfing with him, and he's a natural. He's good. Collar's just good
0: at everything. It's I'm, it's, <laughs> it's really like not fair. Um, so mine is, I guess mine's kind of a cop out too, a little bit. But <laughs> I remember my first radio job in uh, in Roseau, Minnesota. I had to... uh, I covered Roseau High School Sports out there. Hockey Town. Hockey Town, yes. And in fact, this story is hockey-related. I covered Hockey Day, Minnesota. It was in the uh, Rainy River in Baudette, Minnesota. Lake of the the Woods County. And uh, it was cold that day. (laughs) It was uh, 35... I've heard stories about this day. 35 below wind chill that day. And as much as I tried to dress for the occasion, I still didn't dress warm enough. Impossible. Yeah. And I paid for it big time. <laughs> and as a result, because I'm out there freezing my tail off, I pretty much had to work like that much harder. Like it was not fun. It was not fun. And when I drove back to the station that day, cause the game was on a Saturday and you know, Lake of the woods County, that's about an hour drive, but to Rose, it's an hour drive, an hour East. And, uh, yeah, it was. Um, <laughs> needless to say, it, it was it was an experience that uh, I hope I never have to experience again. But yes, it basically because I was freezing. And Work because, as fast as you can. Yeah, and when you have to go to the bathroom too, <laughs> it's not fun as <laughs> at, at, as well when you're trying to hold it for the next intermission. Yeah, it's going to it's, the bathroom and it's
1: 35 below.
0: Right. Yeah. It's it's not fun. All right. Hot route number two. Nine eighty green Raiders owner Mark Davis says that the families of Pro Football Hall of Famers should get rings. Chad Graff, who is your favorite football player that is not in the Hall of Fame?
1: My favorite football player is not in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Is still a very, very good football player. I grew up in New England uh, as Tom Brady was just becoming Tom Brady and surpassing Drew Bledsoe. And my favorite player from that time was Troy Brown, the former okay. wide receiver, punt returner, played a little bit of cornerback. Nickel corner at N- times, right? Just yeah. how, how fun is that, um, especially in that time frame, to have a guy playing both sides, all three phases, returning kicks. He was a blast to watch. He was great when he was with Tom Brady, great when he was with Drew Bledsoe, played both sides of the field. Love me some Troy Brown.
0: That is pretty much That pretty much sums up Bill Belichick's greatness <laughs> right, in a nutshell, right. right? That you can just put a wide receiver in at cornerback and like it doesn't it doesn't hurt you
1: and and think of any other modern day coach thinking all right i've got this great wide receiver i know what i'll do i'll put him on defense like (laughs) even when rob gronkowski went back there against miami for the one play missed the tackle he got lit up because why would you risk an injury to rob gronkowski or any of your star players by putting him in their non-natural
0: position and yet, it actually worked for Troy, Bar- Troy, Troy Brown and the Patriots. Yeah, it's, it was amazing. Uh, for me, my favorite player that's not in the Hall of Fame. I'm not sure he'll actually get into the Hall of Fame. Although, if I had a vote, I might vote for him just because he's um, just because of of bias. Frank Gore, man. Oh, good, like, good one. To to be in the league as long as he's been and to still be a pretty solid player even at this stage, and at that position too, is just amazing to me. I think he's. Fourth all time in rushing yards now for his career. The Fantastic. only
1: problem with your answer is that I think you need to stop playing for five years in order to reach the Hall of Fame. Right. And I think he's going to be playing when he's 84. So
0: <laughs> I don't know when he's going right. to get in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, exactly. All right, hot route number three balls, 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 yeah. balls, green 18, green 18 to that. It's my favorite. It's my favorite QB <laughs> cadence, Brett Favre. Uh, Monday morning quarterback on Sports Illustrated, they listed their top 10 offensive linemen in the NFL they are as follows. Uh, Cowboys guard Zach Martin, David Bakhtiari, offensive tackle for the Packers, uh, Eagles center Jason Kelsey, Tyron Smith, tackle for the Cowboys, Travis Frederick, center for the Cowboys. We've got three Cowboys in the top five, which is amazing. Quentin Nelson, who was the uh, great rookie guard for the Indianapolis Colts, he's number six. Uh, David DeCastro from Pittsburgh is number seven. Mitchell Schwartz, tackle for the Chiefs, is eight. Marquise Pouncey, center for the Steelers, is nine. And Trent Williams, Still pretty good offensive tackle for uh, for Washington is uh, wraps up the top ten. Shockingly, Chad Graff and I use that with total uh, sarcasm. There are no Vikings offensive linemen on this what? list. <laughs> but question: Who is the Vikings' best offensive lineman right now? And also, a secondary question: Do you agree with this list?
1: To start with the second question, mostly agree with it. Zach Martin is unbelievable. Uh, I mostly agree with the list. Three Cowboys in the top five speaks volumes about their offensive line and is another reason why I think Dak Prescott is probably not as good as a lot of people think that he mm-hmm. is, even though he's going to get paid. But the first question about who is the best Vikings offensive lineman is a fantastic question. And now I wish we could go back in time and ask Arif and some of our other guests this question. Riley Reef is the highest paid mm-hmm. and probably the easiest answer. But I'm not going with Riley Reef. I'm not going with a rookie because I don't think you can do that. Right. I'm not going with either of the guards because one has struggled and the other is uh n- n- should never be the best offensive lineman on your team no matter you know how consistent Josh Klein is so I'm actually going with Brian right O'Neal. tackle second year Brian O'Neill I think that he showed great progress his rookie year he's a guy who is always going to be a bit of a development project incredibly athletic I think he's going to do very well in Gary Kubiak's scheme uh, maybe I'm jumping the gun a year early on this, but for now, I'm
0: going with Brian O'Neill. That's interesting because I wonder what Brian O'Neal's f- future is going to be. You know, if if Riley Reef is not long for this team, if he's not in the long-term plans, I wonder if Brian O'Neal is a guy that they might think about moving over to be left tackle right. long-term for them if they're not able to draft one.
1: Or even if something years. happened to Riley Reef injury-wise, right. you move Brian O'Neill over to the left and slide Rashad Hill into the right, I I could see that.
0: I was not expecting that answer, but I, I think I like the way you broke it down though. I'll I'll sort of cop out and take the lazy answer and I'll go with Pat Elfline just because I think we saw what he was capable of when he was healthy as a rookie at center and he does have experience playing guard at Ohio State. And I think it'll be I think it'll be a, a fairly easy transition from for him. It's not like he's moving from center to one of the tackle spots. I think he can transition over to left guard. Uh, Pretty well and and do pretty well. And he's, it seems like he's going to be healthier going into this year. And I think that was a big part of why he struggled so much last year. So I'll kind of say, I'll say Pat Elfline right now, almost really by default, just because Bradbury, (laughs) Bradbury, I don't know how good he'll be. It It, it seems like he could end up being the best. It's just, it's July 3rd. I'm not ready to give it to him based off of 10 OTAs. Yeah, exactly. All right, hot route number four. Rambo! 59! Get on the ball! Get on the ball! Rambo! All right, here's one for you, Chad Graff. The X Games is uh, coming to U.S. Bank Stadium August 2nd through the 4th. What is the best event you've ever attended at a football stadium that was not a football game?
1: So the obvious one that came to mind right away was the final four just here in Minneapolis at U.S. Bank Stadium. Some good games, a cool event, Patrick Mahomes chugging beers in the stands. (laughs) Good time. But I walked all the way up there just for kicks, just to see what it was like to the very last row of seats at U.S. Bank Stadium. And I couldn't even see the difference between the two teams for the (laughs) final four, the biggest college basketball games of the year. So I'm out on the final four, not picking that. Then I was going to say Kenny Chesney. Had an awesome time at Kenny Chesney, and then I remembered, oh, yeah, that was target field, not a football field. <laughs> so my answer, what I'm going with, is the Stadium Series NHL. Nice. The Wild played the Blackhawks. John Torchetti was just coming back after Mike O was fired. Things started to look good for the Wild again. It was an awesome atmosphere, bit of snow coming down, really cool event. Uh, I'm going with the NHL Stadium Series. Were
0: you on the Wild beat at the time? I was, was yes. That? Okay. That's what. I, okay, that's what I was wondering. Nice. Uh, mine is actually the first major event at U.S. Bank Stadium that was not a Vikings game. I think, in, in fact, it was the first oh, major event. I think I, was it, it soccer? Was, it was the soccer match. Yeah, it was a it was a friendly. I think I think it was two EPL teams. Yeah, and it Jonathan was two Harrison. good teams. I don't remember which yeah. two good teams, but uh, it was Chelsea and somebody. I can't remember what the other team was, but it was. That's how memorable it was. <laughs> but it was such an amazing atmosphere, and I'm you know soccer. I'm not a huge soccer guy, but. That was incredible. It was they packed the house. It was about sixty thousand people there, and and they were into it too. I mean, it was it was really incredible. I really enjoyed it. I'm not a big soccer guy, but EPL is definitely on my bucket list. Yeah, yeah, no, it was it was uh, it was awesome. All right, number five. Hey, check New York Bozo, New York Bozo. Okay, now I'm gonna have to pass this note along <laughs> to uh, Jonathan Harrison and Matthew Collar. Any hot route question from here on out. That involves one of the New York teams, the Giants or the Jets, needs to start with this. Hey, check New York Bozo! New York Bozo! So I'm just putting that little. uh, This is a great lead in. Bravo, producer. Giants rookie quarterback Daniel Jones predicted his Madden rating would be either in the mid 70s or the low 80s. (laughs) Turns out it was a whopping 65 overall. (laughs) Chad Graff, which NFL rookie, seriously speaking here, because obviously Daniel Jones was not seriously speaking if he thought he was going to be ranked in the 80s, Uh, which NFL rookie will make the biggest impact in the NFL this coming season?
1: That's a really good question. I almost feel bad for Daniel Jones, by the way, just because of the punching bag that he's become. And that's such a hard question to answer. Someone's like, hey, what do you think your rating will be? It's like, you you want to show some confidence right. and actually give a good one. But, but you don't want to be but overconfident. You know, when you say in the 80s, everybody's just going to laugh at you because you're <laughs> not even close to that. Uh, as for the rookie who will actually make the biggest difference, I'm going with a guy who I didn't even think was going to be a first-round pick, barely snuck into the first round, and I'm going him less because I know a ton about him, I'll be honest, and more because I know who his quarterback is. And so I'm going with wide receiver Nikhil Harry from the New England Patriots. Mm. The Patriots still have Julian Edelman, but they've lost Rob Gronkowski. They don't have a lot of wide receiver depth. And anytime you've got... Tom Brady throwing it your way, just ask Danny Amendola, uh, Deion Branch, any number of Patriots wide receivers who have not had the same success since leaving Tom Brady. There's a big advantage to playing with number 12. And so give me Nikhil Harry, New England Patriots.
0: So I kind of took the 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 cheap way out of answering this question that I presented. Uh, I went I was trying to decide between two quarterbacks, Kyler Murray and Dwayne Haskins. Mm-hmm. I gave the edge to Dwayne Haskins because I think there's a little bit more of a better, believe it or not, I can't believe I'm actually saying this about the Washington Redskins, but <laughs> it seems like there's a little bit better infrastructure surrounding him, and I think he's going to end up playing right away. I think he's... If if Case Keenum is starting week one, I gotta think Dwayne Haskins is not far behind from actually taking over that starting job. Um Kyler Murray is... I like Kyler Murray more than Dwayne Haskins, but The Cardinals, man, it's just—I just don't know if there's a lot of talent there for him to be allowed to make an immediate impact. So I'm going to go with Dwayne Haskins to make the biggest impact.
1: Everything you said makes sense, and yet I still can't get over the fact that uh, the sentence was uttered that one team has
0: more infrastructure and talent than (laughs) Washington. Right, right, (laughs) yeah, no, it's it's uh, it's it's amazing, and I. I don't know I don't think either team is gonna be very good, but it just seems like Washington has a little bit more in place for Dwayne Haskins to have some success early on. So Yeah, I I don't disagree. That is uh all right, that's hot routes. We got a we got a special guest coming up here in the next segment.
1: Yeah, looking forward. We've had a bunch of guests, but uh, you know, A Reef was great. We had Zach Hillary, Dalvin Cook's agent, and uh and coming up after the break, we got a real good one, I think.
0: All right, that is coming up next, uh special guest a member of the Minnesota Vikings, going to be joining us in the next segment. We'll uh, leave the suspense up. Uh, We'll be back. Purple Daily here on Score North on AM 1500 and the Score North mobile app. Purple Daily on Score North. Also available on demand on the Score North mobile app, Spotify, Apple, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. X Games Minneapolis returns to U.S. Bank Stadium August 1st through the 4th, featuring four days of the world's best action sports, music, and festival experience. Don't miss the greatest action sports athletes on the planet and musical performances from Incubus, POS, and POS the Wu-Tang Clan, and more. Tickets and more information at xgames.com slash tickets. Back to Purple Daily here with Chad Graff of The Athletic filling in.
1: Welcome back to Purple Daily. Uh We are going to put things on the way a little bit. If you heard our uh, teaser at the top, we're going to jump right back into a little more NFL talk, a little more Vikings. And so before we get to the Vikings, which we've hit on quite a bit, I want to get to some of the things that you're most looking forward to about this upcoming NFL season. Uh, Of course, we're just winding down from NBA free agency, NHL free agency, MLB is about to get to their all-star game and their big break. And this is about the quietest time I think on the sports calendar these next three weeks leading up to training camp. So let me ask you, Manny: Are there? What do you look forward to when training camp starting? Do you have any training camp memories? Do you do you ever go out to training camp? What are some of your uh, training camp highlights?
0: Uh, I have been out to training camp, Vikings training camp, a few times. Um, have it's been a few years since I've actually gone, but my stepdad um, is a former Vikings player. Uh, he played during the during the late '60s and. Into the mid '70s, so he, he was on three of the three of the four Super Bowl teams, the first three Super Bowl teams. And he, for a long time, used to take a group of inner city youth down to training camp every year, and uh, just to get them out there to meet some players and just kind of enjoy that experience. Um, and I just remember the year that Brock Lesnar was in camp <laughs> back in, I think it was 2004, if I'm not mistaken. He had just left. WWE and uh, and went on to pursue a career in the NFL and the Vikings obviously gave him a shot and he was bombarded by everybody. Like, and, and this was literally, you know, all due respect to Brock, this was a guy that was kind of hanging by the skin of his teeth to try and make the team. And he was getting more attention than (laughs) anybody else in training camp. It was, it was, it was amazing. And, and another one of those things that I kind of remember too is, a lot of times, and you cover the team, so you're around these guys, you know, on, on a fairly regular basis. But if you're not around these guys often, sometimes you lose sight at how large they actually are, how large these human beings are. Now, Brock, I've been around Brock a, a couple of times. I've met him in other, other capacities, too. He's a big guy, and you kind, of, you kind of anticipate that. But, Chad, I remember one year I went down to training camp, and I stood next to Mitch Berger. Who was a punter for the Vikings for a number of years? One of the best punters in the NFL at that time. And he was massive. He was one of the largest human (laughs) beings I'd ever seen in my life. He was six, six, four, six, five, probably about a good 240 pounds. Just a big, big guy. And this is the punter of the team. That's well, like it's like one of the biggest people, the, one of the largest human beings I've ever stood next to.
1: It's amazing, too, because a lot of those punters, you know, even if they're not his size, they're six, one, two, 15. Like in any yeah. other walk of life, these are big dudes. And yet you watch them out there and they just look like these tiny little things <laughs> with no muscular definition compared to, you know, when they're standing next to Everson Griffin and Linval Joseph. And then you see him in real life and wow, this guy, this guy's actually pretty big. Yeah. Um, but one of the other things I, I wanted to get into you with is a little bit of a, a division roundtable. We've talked a lot about the Vikings and, you know, some of the positional breakdowns, where things stand with their depth. We talked about their running game for quite a bit. Uh, looking elsewhere around the division, I think that there are a lot of really fascinating storylines um, with the Bears, Lions, and Packers. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of it, at least the most interesting stuff to me, starts out east with the Packers. Uh, Aaron Rodgers now has his first head coach, his first head coaching change since he became a starter. Yeah. How is he going to work with uh, Matt LaFleur? How is that whole process going to work? Is he going to be able to uh, jive with that and and to make the audibles that he sees fit with the Packers and their offseason? Do you think they got better
0: or worse? I think they got, I I definitely think they got better on the defensive side, getting the Smith boys. Um, and I, I think I really think those guys are gonna be a problem in this division. I mean, Khalil Mack, we know how good Khalil Mack is as a pass rusher, but those guys I think are gonna wreak havoc on that side of the ball as well. Um, uh, so I like what they did on defense. Their draft was a little bit weird. It was a little bit puzzling to me, just kind of the directions that they went with some of their picks. But I, I think the most important thing with them is is gonna be number twelve and how, you know, how is he going to bounce back from I think by his standards was kind of a subpar year. I mean, Aaron Rodgers, we're used to him putting up the good numbers and his numbers weren't bad last year, but they were not as good as what we've grown accustomed to with him. And And I'm wondering if Matt LaFleur stepping into the fold now as the head coach, if that's going to sort of re-energize Aaron Rodgers a little bit, because that might be what it takes for him to get back going and still try to. You know, make good out of these probably these last handful of years of of his career of being of being pretty good. Aaron Rodgers is going to be thirty six, I think, in December, yeah, near the well, end of the season. And it's amazing; it's, it's hard too. to think about that,
1: right? It makes me feel old, first of all, but <laughs> second of all, there are a lot of quarterbacks who have shown that you can do this into your late thirties. Tom Brady and Drew Brees, right at the top of the list. That if if this isn't what sparks it for Aaron Rodgers, it's crazy to think that. You know, I don't know what else would or what else could. So I think that they're definitely better in the sense that they won six games last year. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that they're only going to win six games once again. So it can't
0: it can get worse.
1: You almost have to go better for the Packers. But, you know, you got to take some wins away from somewhere. And I think a lot of people are taking those wins away from the Chicago Bears defending division champs. They won 12 games. Uh, they did have to make some sacrifices in in their secondary on defense, but an offensive head coach, uh, a young quarterback who I think has shown signs of of getting better and growing and maturing, um, they are one of the most interesting teams to me. Their over under win total after going twelve and four last season, their over under win total is nine and a half. Do you go over or under nine and a half wins for the Chicago Bears?
0: I'll say over, but not much over. I'll say about 10. I think that, you know, I I feel like I still need to see a little bit more out of Mitch Trubisky. I agree. I think I, I'd know? go
1: just under. Yeah. yeah. I, I love what Matt Nagy does. That defense is outstanding, but they lost their defensive coordinator who I think played a big role in making that defense as good as it was. Of mm-hmm. course, Quill Mack. Of course, Hicks. You know, they they've got... Some pieces that um, you know it doesn't matter. I I could coach that defense and they'd be a good defense, Uh, and and I mean that in a way where I am a a horrible coach. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, to me, it's just going to be hard to get back to double digit wins for them. I think that the Vikings showed last season how difficult it can be to bounce back from a season in which um, you know you had a ton of success both in the regular season and then for the Vikings into the postseason, and then to have um, the postseason not go as you planned for, for both of them, thanks to Philadelphia, uh, in Chicago's <laughs> thanks case, to thanks Foles. to a kicker. Um, <laughs> but I, I just think that's so hard to repeat, even with as good as um, their defense is. I, I just don't trust that offense enough, even though I think Matt Nagy's a great coach. So I would go just under nine and a half wins for the Bears.
0: Yeah, it, it's, it's, a, it's a lot to ask, I think, for your defense to repeat Being as good as they were the year before and we saw with the Vikings, the Vikings defense was good last year, but it was not number one across the board like it was in 2017. And I think it's a lot to ask for your defense to continue to be that great year after year after year. Seems like the Bears defense is going to be good again. They have Khalil Mack, one of the best, most impactful defensive players in the league. But to ask them to be as dominant and as great as they were a year ago again, I think is a lot to ask. And I think they're going to need they're going to need Mitch Trubisky to, to, to step up and, and kick his game up a notch too. another thing I'm looking for with them too, Chad is Matt Nagy. We know he's an offensive mind. He's a creative mind. How are they going to utilize Cordero Patterson? They're yeah. gonna get really creative with him. Are they gonna see him? You know, because we saw New England kind of utilize him in in a lot of different ways. They didn't use him a lot, but they used him in different different uh, different methods. I, I'm curious to see how Matt Nagy, another offensive coach, is gonna gonna use uh, number 84.
1: That will be fascinating. And then, of course, the last team in the division, uh, the team perennially in the cellar for the NFC North, the Detroit Lions. They won six games last year. Their over-under win total is six and a half. Only Oakland, the Giants, Arizona, Cincinnati, and Miami have a lower over-under win total. Now, Detroit did make some moves, got some players in free agency. They spent some money. They, they're entering the second year with uh, Matt Patricia, Super Bowl-winning defensive coordinator, a guy who studied under Bill Belichick. Uh, A coach who, you know, while not a lot of coaches under Bill Belichick have gone on to great success (laughs) for whatever reason, which I think is one of the most interesting uh, stories that you can possibly tell in the NFL, how the best coach perhaps who has ever lived and has ever coached in the NFL can't seem to get any of his understudies to um, (laughs) even come close to matching his success is fascinating. But the Detroit Lions, they spend some money. They won six games last year. Over or under six and a half wins from the Detroit Lions?
0: I'm gonna say over. Wow, but I'm gonna say it's seven. <laughs> I'm just not a big believer in Matt Patricia at all. Yep. I think I think they have added some talent. You know, going out and getting Trey Flowers, I think, is going to help them on defense, but. I just, I'm not, I'm not sure I buy into a guy that does this in press conferences.
1: Do me a favor, just kind of sit up and just like have a little respect for the process,
0: okay? I mean, I just, I just can't. I just every, every time someone mentions Matt Patricia or I see Matt Patricia mentioned in a, in a story or, you know, a video or something, I just keep thinking about that. I keep going back to that. And it's hard to. It's hard to not go back to that every single time, you know.
1: I remember being in the Vikings' locker room when that happened. The Vikings were having their usual availability, and I think it was actually caller who first brought it to my attention. I'd seen it on Twitter. Said, "You got to watch this." And I remember <laughs> being dumbfounded when when I saw when I heard the words, "You've got to show a little respect for the process." Yeah, respect for the process. You want this journalist who's been covering the Lions for? multiple decades to respect your process after you've been here for 6 months. First of all, and second of all, why would that person ever have to respect your process? That's not right. one of your players. He's here to hold you accountable, to learn about you, to tell fans the story of what's going on with the team, and you're going to tell him to respect your process? That that was uh that that was unbelievable.
0: Yeah, and and when you when you factor into and I don't know how much of this really plays into how good a coach Matt Patricia is or not but it is kind of funny to have a guy walk in to that organization with that much arrogance after his defense <laughs> had just gotten torched by Nick Foles in the Super Bowl like it's like dude come on like i understand you're coming from new england you're coming from so you've got kind of this chip on your shoulder and this sort of this bravado that you came from the patriots and the patriot way and all of that but you're not Bill. You're not Bill Belichick, dude. Just like, and then he's like, he's got them out practicing yes, the, in the snow. That's my and favorite
1: Detroit Lions story from last like season.
0: Matt, <laughs> you play in an indoor stadium.
1: They've you got play, three straight indoor games coming uh, up, and Matt Patricia's like, what? Hey, assistants, what's the weather like outside? Like, hey, we're getting a foot of snow. It's 20 degrees. Perfect. Trap them up, boys.
0: Get the pads on. We're going outside to prep for our next three weeks inside. And the best part about that was the long long condescending explanation (laughs) that he gave for having them unnecessarily practicing outside in the snow. He goes on for like two minutes trying to explain and justify having them out there. How could you question that?
1: Just respect the process. Yeah,
0: just sit up straight and respect the process. Yeah, I know. I'm just... I I could be wrong on this, and I know they went out and got some talent, and you know Matthew Stafford's okay, kind of middle of the road quarterback. But I'm just not I'm just not a believer in Matt Patricia at all.
1: Going back to our first segment, in which you could bring up Kirk Cousins in just about any discussion, you bring up Matthew Stafford, which automatically makes me think like. He and Kirk Cousins are so fascinating to me Mm -hmm. because they both put up the big yards. Neither of them has uh, a a winning record as a starter. They're both making a lot of money. They're both making a lot of money. Who would you rather have for one season just next season? They both have all the same pieces around them, the same coaches. Everything is the same. Who would you rather have for next season, Matt Stafford or Kirk Cousins? Oh, my God. That is that
0: is like the hardest question I could ever answer. Um, I think I would actually take Kirk Cousins. Yeah. And I've
1: given my, you know, what I would call fair share of criticism to Kirk Cousins. Mm-hmm. I think that there's a lot more that he needs to do. I think there's places that he can improve and should improve for the money that he's making. But if you... If I'm picking between those two quarterbacks, I think I trust Kirk Cousins just a little bit more than I trust Matthew Stafford.
0: I wonder with Stafford if being in a better-run organization overall would have maybe helped him a little bit more. Yeah, can't hurt. Because, I mean, the the difference between the two guys, I mean, they are pretty much the same in terms... If you're ranking quarterbacks, these guys are probably right next to each other, like right in the middle of that, of the 32 starting quarterbacks in the NFL. But, like you remember like Matthew Stafford was the number one overall pick. Like he right. was drafted and thought of as a franchise changing quarterback, a guy that was going to be your starter for a decade plus. And I mean, he has been a starter for the lions for a decade plus he has, I guess, been their franchise quarterback, but you just, there just hasn't been a whole lot of, whole lot of winning and a whole lot of success there. And I wonder if he had been in a different situation, if it would have, uh, if it would have voted better, better for him. But Yeah, if you're asking, he had Calvin Johnson. He He didn't have have much else, but he did
1: have Calvin Johnson. Outside of that, he he really hasn't had anything. Remember, there were years when that offense actually did put up some big numbers, and they just had no defense at all behind him.
0: He threw 41 touchdown passes one year, I think Matthew Stafford did. Now having Calvin Johnson there certainly helps with that. Um, But yeah, I think if you're asking me which guy I would take, I'd I'd probably lean Cousins, but it'd be very very close.
1: He threw in. 2012 for almost 5,000 yards and they won four games like that's man,
0: I, you know, (laughs) now that probably, it probably helped that they were behind a lot. Yes. You know, you're, you're, if you're down 28 to seven, yeah, you're probably going to end up with 380 yards passing because you're just throwing, you're trying to throw your way back into the game. But man, the lions have been, uh, they've been the, the poster childs for just poorly run organizations, even though they've, drafted a franchise quarterback that's been there for 10 years. <laughs>
1: right. Yeah, I I still think, you know, if you look at where Kirk Cousins and Matthew Stafford would rank in the NFL, I think that they're both right around 13, 14, 15, um, probably in a group that would include like Jared Goff. Um, I would say both I would take above Dak Prescott, mm-hmm. but sort of in that area, maybe just behind Carson Wentz. Um, But in that type of quarterback who's a notch below sort of your top five who are MVP candidates, Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees, Russell Wilson, Tom Brady, that group. And then even below, you know, a a group below them, um, probably like tier three quarterbacks, Kirk Cousins, Matthew Stafford, those guys.
0: Yeah, I mean, it just they're they're the prototypical guys that you need to have everything around them to be almost perfect in order for them to really have the kind of success that they need. They need multiple weapons to throw to. They need a really good offensive line to, to, to protect them. They need a good running game. They need a defense that's going to be able to keep them in games and, and give them chances to win. And it's, it's tough to win that way. I mean, we've, we've seen it here with Kirk cousins, where if you bring in a quarterback that is making, you know, close to $30 million a year and he's not one of the top three or four quarterbacks in in football. You got to surround him with a lot more talent, and it's going to be tough to be able to pay for all that surrounding talent when your quarterback is eating up so much of so much of your cap. If he's eating up one fifth of your entire team's payroll,
1: right? The last thing I guess I'll say in the Stafford versus Cousins debate is I do think that Stafford's ceiling when everything goes well and he is surrounded by all the right talent, is probably a bit higher Mm -hmm. than Kirk Cousins. He's got the bigger arm. I think that he can do a few more things. When he had Calvin Johnson, he did have, as you mentioned, that 41 touchdown season. So when everything is just right around them, Stafford is probably the pick, probably has the potential to be a little bit better. Uh, But when you're playing behind poor offensive lines, not exactly sure of what the offense is going to look like. I think Kirk Cousins is a safer
0: choice, has a higher floor, so to speak. All right. Should we uh, take a break and come back and wrap uh, wrap up the show? Let's do it. All right. We'll be back. One more segment to go here on Purple Daily. Chad Graff of The Athletic filling in. I'm Manny Hill producing, and uh, we'll be back in just a few minutes. Because the Vikings are on your mind. All the time. Not just during the season. Purple Daily on Score North. ScoreNorth.com. All right, it's 3.47 time for the Score North download on Manny Hill. And if you're wondering why Jonathan Harrison is not uh, giving you the Score North download in this uh, time slot of the day, that's because you will be able to join Jonathan Harrison and Dan Terhaar for their coverage of Minnesota United and San Jose this evening. Uh, Pre-game coverage begins at 6.30 from Allianz Field. Catch all tonight's Minnesota United action right here on Score North on AM1500, scorenorth.com, and that fantastic Score North mobile app. Now back to Purple Daily. Final segment here with Chad Graff of The Athletic filling in.
1: Welcome back to Purple Daily. One last segment with me, Chad Graff, Manny Hill behind the glass uh, Manny, I got some questions for you. I've been Fire looking away. at uh, you know some Viking stuff as we got three weeks remaining until training camp, and then we get to break down all of those interesting things we touched on earlier. The number three wide receiver battle. What's going to happen with Kyle Sloater. Uh Lots to digest
0: later. That this long month. snapper battle, man. I'm I'm, I'm that, ready for I'm ready for that one.
1: <laughs> I can't wait to to break down the the snaps between Austin Cutting and Kevin McDermott, who isn't ready. But first, before we get there, I was looking at the Vikings schedule. There's a lot of, I think, pretty tough games yeah. and a lot of really interesting games. What to you is the game that you are most looking forward to that the Vikings play? And and I guess I'll I'll start off and let you uh, think about this for a moment because mm-hmm. there, there are some good ones. At Dallas is interesting. Mike Zimmer goes back to... To Dallas, where you know he, he first coached under Bill Parcells and started to make a name for himself, still, I think, has a soft spot in his heart for Dallas. Uh, against the Eagles will be interesting probably for the next 10 years as long as uh, we can reflect on that NFC Championship game and what could have been. Um, I think going back to Seattle is a super interesting one. That's sort of where the wheels really fell off for the Vikings a year ago in that Monday night game when the offense had absolutely nothing going um, and then, of course, led to John Day Filippo's firing. But to me, the game that I am most looking forward to on the Vikings schedule comes week nine. And not just because of the barbecue food that I'll be eating, but also because of the game at Kansas City. I cannot wait to see what Mike Zimmer's defense has planned for Patrick Mahomes. I can't wait to see what Mahomes Second year looks like. Second year as a starter looks like. Uh, to me, that that's a fascinating one. We had sort of the clip that was a bit famous last season when Mike Zimmer was asked after that Chiefs Rams game, "What did you think of that? You know, fifty-two forty-nine game or whatever the final was." And <laughs> <laughs> he just said, eh, "Not my cup of tea." Yeah. So uh, we'll find out if his tea choices have changed depending on what Patrick Mahomes does to his defense. But I am very excited for that Week
0: Nine game at Kansas City. I'm so jealous that you get to go to a game at. Arrowhead
1: (laughs) and I just want to see the tailgate too. like that's one of the few places maybe there in Buffalo where you actually get sort of the feel that you would at a college stadium because to me like there's nothing better than college football tailgating Um, you see it at Ohio State Michigan here with the Gophers a little bit Nebraska Penn State it's it's so cool to me to walk around you know a stadium before a big college game and just the atmosphere, people having some cold beverages, the grills fired up, some games played.
0: I love a good tailgate. And I think Kansas city from everything I've heard has an awesome one. I've been through Kansas city a a few times. I've never actually like been to, I've never been to a Royals game down there. never been to a chiefs game, obviously. And just that whole, I've always been fascinated by that whole complex and that whole, set up the way they have Kaufman there and then you know Arrowhead is right there adjacent to it um yeah and and it does seem like it would be like a total college atmosphere going to the Chiefs game and that that's going to be a tough matchup for the Vikings and it's that defense is going to be really tested with the reigning MVP on the other side and all the weapons that he has on offense and we know how good a coach Andy Reid is so yeah that's going to be that's going to be a doozy i the game at Philadelphia, or I'm sorry, the game here against Philadelphia is the one that's going to be really intriguing to me, too. Yep. That's one of them. Another one is um, something about Washington coming in here on a mm-hmm. Thursday night. And Imagine,
1: to me, if Case Keenum is playing Keenum in that is game, still
0: playing, That's
1: uh, I don't have a ton of confidence that he will, in part right. uh, because of your explanation earlier about why Haskins may uh, yeah. be you know the most accomplished rookie this season. But if you get—I mean, the storylines for that would be Through amazing. Your Purple Daily that you could do for two hours a day, you could just tape that for 12 hours a day during that yes. week. If it's, it's, Say the Vikings are struggling. That's week eight. If they're three and four, or even four and three, really— and if the Redskins are having any sort of success, the stories that you guys could do, the debates that you could have mm-hmm. about Kirk Cousins versus Case Keenum, did they make the right decision? Did they not make the right decision? What should they have done? That would be unbelievable. I almost wish that that were like week one or week two, so we could definitely have Case Keenum starting. Not so sure he will be week eight, but that is is a great pick.
0: And don't forget, there's going to be a certain running back, probably in the That's backfield right. for Washington that uh, a lot of Vikings fans are very familiar with, one Adrian Lewis Peterson. So that, that yeah, that one. Um, I'm, and the fact that it's, it's going to be a Thursday night game, yep. prime time, we know what the narrative is surrounding Kirk Cousins with prime time games. It's against his former team. You've got Case Keenum, maybe starting, maybe not, depending on how it goes with him and Haskins. And then you've got Adrian Peterson coming back. It's well, July the 3rd, and time. you're giving me goosebumps. I'm yeah. getting excited for it all is, this. It is. The Kansas City matchup is a great one. The Philadelphia matchup is a great one with the with the Eagles coming here for the first time since they won the Super Bowl here. Um, but, man, that Washington one, for for a game that's, you know, I mean, the Redskins are not going to be that great of a team, but there's going to be a lot of hype surrounding a game like that between a team that could be pretty good and a team that's, Going to be probably mediocre at best.
1: Not to complain because I I have it pretty good, but I wish that were a Monday game. Like those Monday games, at least for us, I'm always like, God, these Mondays take forever. (laughs) There's so many stories to write about. There's really not that many storylines. How am I going to come up with stories every single day leading to Monday? And then, of course, the week that could potentially have more storylines than (laughs) any other games—a Thursday.
0: Yeah, it's Uh, going to be amazing. Just the
1: the fact, it'll be Kirk Cousins' first game against them. And to me, the way that everything went down with Kirk Cousins in Washington is fascinating. The way that they sometimes didn't even pronounce his name right and called Mm -hmm. him Kurt. The way that they treated the, the franchise tag. The way that the team that drafted him as you know, basically a third string guy. They drafted RG three that your Kirk cousins was never in their plan. Yeah. Then they draft him and the team that drafts him decides, you know what? We're good. We're going to let you walk and and get basically no compensation back for you. The way all of that went down is fascinating. I know there've been a ton of stories about Kirk cousins and a ton of debate, but it is fascinating to me. And, and that will be just an unbelievable
0: game. And the way they, Sort of the way Washington, everybody over there sort of went out of their way to praise Alex Smith last right. year, right. leading in the last season, <laughs> where it almost point. came off as like, are they taking little side shots at <laughs> yes. Kirk at their now departed, you know, quarterback who's moved on to another team? It's just uh, there's going to be a lot building up to that game. I can't wait. They That'd didn't do that when Kirk was there. That's fair to right, say. Right. All right. Hey, it was fun. That was fun. Thank you. All right. That's Chad Graff. Uh, Follow him at uh, Chad Graff. What's your Twitter handle? I make it easy. At Chad Graff. At Chad Graff. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, Follow his uh, writings on The Athletic as he covers the Minnesota Vikings uh, year-round. Mackie and Judd with Rami coming up next on Score North and the Score North mobile app. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar,